Hello and welcome to eBible Fellowship's Evening Bible Studies with your speaker, Chris McCann. If you'd like more information or to hear more studies, visit our website at www.ebiblefellowship.com. And now, with your evening Bible study, here's Chris McCann. Good evening and welcome to eBible Fellowship's Bible Study in the Book of Revelation. Tonight is study number 8 of Revelation chapter 12. We're going to be reading verses 5 and 6. And as she brought forth a man-child, who is to rule all nations with a rod of iron, and her child was caught up unto God and to his throne. And the woman fled into the wilderness, where she has a place prepared of God, that they should feed her there a thousand two hundred and threescore days. I'll stop reading there. Now, in our last study, we were discussing Christ ruling with a rod of iron, and the word rule was was a word that's also translated as feed. And we saw some of the verses where God uses um, that same language, especially in Revelation 19, where it relates to Judgment Day. And we have learned from the Bible that on May 21, 2011, the beginning of Judgment Day, that... Satan was put down from all rule that he had previously held, and the Lord Jesus Christ was exalted and began to rule over all that Satan uh, used to rule over. And, and so Christ, since that date until now and for the rest of Earth's history and into eternity future, rules with a rod of iron over the people of the world in the time of judgment. He's ruling with a rod of iron or feeding with a rod of iron because the language of the Bible uh, is that salvation has ended. There is no more grace or mercy of God. And, and this is a very harsh um, sentence, a harsh judgment of God. And, and this is yet what the Bible teaches, and, and therefore it's like um, a shepherd having a rod of iron as he gathers his flock, feeds his flock, and yet at the same time is destroying the unsaved people of the earth. Well, at the last part of verse 5, it says, And her child was caught up unto God and to his throne. And this is a reference to the man-child, the male son, the Lord Jesus Christ. He is the son of God. He's also the son of man. And so he's the son of the woman, the woman who is a picture of the body of believers, the elect. And notice how in this one verse we go immediately from the birth, she brought forth a man-child who is to rule all nations, to the catching up of the child, the catching up of the Lord Jesus Christ into heaven. In a single verse, it spans the entire life of the Lord Jesus Christ on earth. From his birth in 7 BC is when uh, the woman brought forth the man-child until 40 days after his resurrection in 33 AD when he was caught up unto God into his throne, which is a span of some 
38 years. And in a single verse, in just one scripture verse, God covers the entire life and ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ. It reminds us of what we read back in Revelation 11, in verses 11 and 12, where it said in Revelation 11, 11, and after three days and a half, the spirit of life from God entered into them, and they stood upon their feet, and great fear fell upon them which saw them. And they heard a great voice from heaven saying unto them, Come up hither. And they ascended up to heaven in a cloud, and their enemies beheld them. Now, in these two verses, we have the point after the three and a half days, which is 1994. It's the dividing point of the Great Tribulation. And once the two witnesses or two prophets stood upon their feet, that was at the end of the 2300 evening mornings, and it was September 1994. And, and so at that point, they stand upon their feet, and that's language indicating they're bringing the gospel to the world. And then in the very next verse, they heard a great voice from heaven saying, Come up hither. And that's the end of that about 17 years of latter rain. It's, it's May 21, 2011, when God has saved all the elect and spiritually they ascend up in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ as they're seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, even though no one was literally caught up. Yet we, we can see from one verse to the next, there's a span of about 17 years. Well, in our verse in Revelation 12, in the very same verse, God jumps from the birth of Christ to the very end of his period of ministry. Because it's not, it's not his focus, it's not his desire at this point in the giving of the book of Revelation to go into detail concerning the life of Christ, concerning Jesus's ministry on earth, he's more focused on other matters. And, and so he quickly summarizes in a single verse the whole period of Christ's visit to the earth. And remember, mankind had waited over 11,000 years for Jesus to come. And, and here God says, okay, he came, and then he was caught up unto God and to his throne. Uh, by the way, it, it says he was caught up to God and to his throne because Christ came as a king. Remember, Pilate asked him, Art thou a king then? And Jesus responded, To this end was I born. He was born to be king. And so he uh, is king of kings. And, and when he ascended up into heaven, he went to his throne as the glorious king of uh, all the kingdom of God. All right, let's go into verse 6 of Revelation 12. And the woman fled into the wilderness, where she has a place prepared of God, that they should feed her there a thousand two hundred and threescore days. Now, once again, the woman represents God's elect. She fled into the wilderness uh, right after the Lord Jesus was caught up, after he went back to heaven. 
the the woman flees. Now we know why the woman flees, uh, but the information as to the reason for her flight comes later in this same chapter. If we go down to verse 13 of Revelation 12, it says, And when the dragon saw that he was cast unto the earth, he persecuted the woman which brought forth the man-child, and to the woman were given two wings of a great eagle, that she might fly into the wilderness, into her place, where she is nourished for a time and times and half a time from the face of the serpent. And that's uh, much more detail than God gives here in verse 6. Here he just says the woman fled into the wilderness, but she's fleeing from the serpent, that great dragon that, that sought to devour her child as soon as it was born. Satan, who desperately tried to destroy Christ at his birth, as he moved through Herod to destroy all the children two years and under, but also throughout the life of Christ, until finally uh, Satan stirred up the Jews, the Jewish authorities, to arrest Jesus and to turn him over to the Romans in order that he be crucified. All a result of Satan's just desperate desire to destroy God, to destroy Christ so that he might be God and and so that he might be the supreme ruler. And yet God used Satan knowing full well uh, that he would do everything in his power to kill the Messiah, to kill the Lord Jesus, and and God manipulated him, orchestrating events as he permitted Satan to accomplish that desire, but in doing so, it fulfilled the very determinate counsel and foreknowledge of God. It fulfilled the perfect will of God that the Lord Jesus Christ went to the cross in demonstrating the things he had accomplished from the foundation of the world. And it, it just reveals and shows how pitiful Satan's attempts are to outwit and and to overcome uh, eternal God. Satan's just a creature, a fallen angel. He has limited ability especially in comparison to the almighty, infinite, eternal God of the Bible. God has absolutely no trouble in using Satan time and again. And later, at the end of time, during the Great Tribulation, God, once again, knowing Satan better than Satan knows himself, loose Satan out of the bottomless pit, and in order that Satan would go forth into the churches to rule the man of sin. And what would Satan do? He would do what he desired to do to Jesus long ago. He would destroy the church. He would devour the congregations and all the people within. And in doing so, he precisely did the will of God. He became an instrument a servant of the Lord to accomplish God's purpose to bring judgment at the house of God. And 
God is really amazing in his ability to know his creatures, to know even the fallen creatures and their tendencies and and how they will act and the things they will do. And God uses all things, remember the Bible tells us, all all works together for good to accomplish that perfect will of God. And so too here, when the woman in Revelation 12, 6, fled into the wilderness. Now, again, the wilderness here is a reference to the world. We read in Isaiah 14, uh, beginning in verse 16, They that see thee shall narrowly look upon thee, and consider thee, saying, Is this the man that made the earth to tremble, that did shake kingdoms? And it's referring to uh, the king of Babylon, at, and God calls him a man because he's using that figure of uh, the king of Babylon to typify Satan. And in Isaiah 14, um, there's a clear identification with the king of Babylon and Satan. And then it says in verse 17, that made the world as a wilderness and destroyed the cities thereof that opened not the house of his prisoners. Satan made the world as a wilderness when he deceived Eve and Adam into sinning against God in disobeying God. That brought the terrible spiritual desolation to this world that turned the world, which was a Garden of Eden, into a spiritual wasteland, into a wilderness where and there is no water. Now, God, uh, in sending the gospel and having Christ die uh, for the sins of his people from the foundation of the world and sending that information out into the world, turn uh, it in places the wilderness into rivers of water. And then at the end of the church age, because the church was used of God to bring that message and therefore function as rivers or or streams of water, God dried up the message of the church by removing his spirit, turning those places back into a wasteland or a wilderness. And so uh, the wilderness is the typical situation in this world since the fall of man into sin unless God uh, opens up water in a, a special way of bringing his word carrying the message of salvation well in Revelation 12 the woman fled into the wilderness into this world and where it goes on to say in the next phrase where She has a place prepared of God that they should feed her there a thousand two hundred and threescore days. She flees to the wilderness to a place that is prepared of God. Of course, we wonder, well, what place is this? Uh, what, What place did God prepare for the woman? And the answer is the New Testament churches and congregations that fits the timing of what we're reading. When Jesus ascended up into heaven, it was early in the first century A.D., um, just days later, on the day of Pentecost, 
In 33 AD, the Holy Spirit would be poured out and the official beginning of the New Testament church age had arrived. And then the church age would continue for 1955 years from 33 AD through 1988 AD. And that was the place God prepared in which the woman, the body of believers, were to flee to in order to be fed. To There they, they would be nourished for this 1260 days. Now we can know this is the case once we turn back to Deuteronomy chapter 16. In Deuteronomy 16 and verse 16, it says, Three times in a year shall all thy males appear before Jehovah thy God in the place which he shall choose, in the Feast of Unleavened Bread, and in the Feast of Weeks, and in the Feast of Tabernacles, and they shall not appear before Jehovah empty. You might be wondering, well, what is this verse in the Old Testament that's speaking of the three main Jewish feasts have to do with the woman fleeing into the wilderness and and there having a place prepared of God. Well, it applies once we realize that each one of these feasts has a spiritual fulfillment. And the first feast, the Feast of Unleavened Bread, or Passover, as it's also known, was the feast in which Christ had come forth, he had entered into the world, and then he went to the cross, and at the time he was dying on the cross, it was the Passover time. So Jesus was the fulfillment of the Feast of Passover, and that feast had a place in which it was observed, and the place was Israel. Israel and the Passover identify with one another. Well, the next feast was the Feast of Weeks, and that's another way of uh, speaking or referring to the first fruits or uh, Pentecost. And that feast was spiritually fulfilled according to Acts 2 when the Holy Spirit was poured out. It says when the Feast of Pentecost was fully come, because the, the Feast of Pentecost or first fruits always pointed to God bringing in the fruit during the church age. And the place where the Feast of Pentecost or, or weeks or first fruits was observed was not Israel, but it was the New Testament churches and congregations. God changed the place. That's why he says in Deuteronomy 16.16 16, that uh, three times in a year, All thy males appear before Jehovah thy God in the place which he shall choose. He doesn't mean that it's always the same place. For the first feast, Passover, it was Israel. For the second feast, first fruits, it was the church. The place had changed. And then the third feast was the Feast of Tabernacles, which was held in conjunction with the Feast of Ingathering. And the Feast of Tabernacles identifies with the uh, final feast that identifies with the end of the world and also at the time when God will bring in the last of his elect. And he fulfilled that as far as bringing in the precious fruit of the earth, 
during the last half of the Great Tribulation period, after the church age had ended and God was sending forth the latter rain outside of the churches and congregations in the world. And, and out of the sending forth of his word in that mighty way across the face of the earth, God saved the great multitude that came out of great tribulation. And the place for the spiritual fulfillment of that feast in both the saving of that great multitude and in the final fulfillment of spiritually fulfilling these feasts as God will destroy the world in all likelihood on the last day of the Feast of Tabernacles, the last day also of end gathering is in the world. The great multitude was not saved in the church. They were not saved in Israel. They were saved outside of the church in the nations of the world as God sent forth his word, uh, not using, not utilizing the churches and congregations. So each of these feasts in the place God chose, it was a different place. It was Israel, it was the church, and then it was the world. And yet, at the point of time we're reading in Revelation 12, after the Lord Jesus, the man-child, is caught up unto God to his throne to rule as the glorious king of heaven, and the woman flees into the wilderness immediately following that. It's the church age. It, it is the place God has chosen, the place prepared of God for the woman to flee to and a place where she will be fed. Now, um, it, it's interesting in Matthew 14, um, it says, beginning in verse 14, And Jesus went forth and saw a great multitude and was moved with compassion toward them, and he healed their sick. And when it was evening, his disciples came to him, saying, This is a desert place. Now the word desert is the same, uh, a translation of the same Greek word translated as wilderness in Revelation 12, 6 and elsewhere. So this is a wilderness place. And the word place is the same word also. In, in the place prepared of God, she, the woman fled to the wilderness in a place prepared of God. And here in Matthew 14, we read of a wilderness place. And then it goes on to say, And the time is now past. Send the multitude away, that they may go into the villages and buy themselves victuals. But Jesus said unto them, They need not depart. Give ye them to eat. And they say unto him, we have here but five loaves and two fishes. He said, Bring them hither to me. And he commanded the multitude to sit down on the grass and took the five loaves and the two fishes. And looking up to heaven, he blessed and brake and gave the loaves to his disciples and the disciples to the multitude. And they did all eat and were filled. And they took up of the fragments that remained twelve baskets full. And they that had eaten were about five thousand men beside women and children. This historical account illustrates exactly how God fed the woman in the wilderness through the opening up of information to certain individuals 
that uh, the Lord determined, all right, um, I want you uh, to be a teacher. I want you to um, understand these things. And so God would give the desire uh, to that person. He would also then equip the person to begin to understand truth for the purpose of that person sharing the truth with others. Just as here, Christ multiplies the bread, he gives the bread to the disciples, and then it says, and the disciples to the multitude. It's a continuation of the gift. That is, the giving of the bread, giving of the disciples to the multitude. They're both coming from God. The Lord Jesus Christ is the mover. He's the one that is miraculously multiplying the bread. He's the one giving the disciples to go now and feed the multitude. And and this does nourish them. They did all eat and were filled and there was left over. And that is um, what took place spiritually throughout the entire church age of almost 2,000 years. God directed the woman, flee to a desert place, flee to the wilderness. I have a place prepared, and in that place you will be fed for the 1260 days. And the 1260 um, is a number given to represent the duration of the church age, which we'll have to talk about that, Lord willing, in our next study. Thanks for joining us for eBible Fellowship's Evening Bible Studies. You can hear these studies Monday through Friday over PalTalk, Skype, eBible Fellowship's webcast audio, or over your phone. For more information or to hear other studies, visit www.ebiblefellowship.com. Until our next study, may the Lord's perfect will be done.